is not only the action of murder by premeditation, but the problem is the disposition of the heart. And that's always Jesus' focus, isn't it? I've heard it said at the heart of the law is the law of the heart. So for so many of us, maybe we've never committed the act of murder with premeditation. But we each have to do battle against the anger and the judgmentalism in our hearts that can lead to that type of an action. All of us are created in the image and likeness of God, but we are also warped by sin. Because of this, God has to address our tendency to sin, which he does through the Ten Commandments. But as Pastor Daniel will tell us today, even murder is not as cut and dry of a sin as we think. Not only does murder not stop at a physical act, but begins in the heart. Hatred, anger, bitterness at another person run the same path as committing the physical crime. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study entitled Ten Commandments. Let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. As we continue our study through the book of Exodus, we've slowed down a little bit. If you you thought to yourself, I just didn't know that there was a lower gear than where we were. But there is, because we're here in the Ten Commandments. And I felt it appropriate because of the the enormity of the Ten Commandments in, in the scope of the Bible to go a little slower through these ten, to spend a little bit more time of doing an in-depth treatment of it so that we really get a sense for it. Now, I keep saying it week in and week out that most people, when they think about God's law, they say, well, there's Ten Commandments, and that's actually not true at all. If you look at God's law from Genesis to Deuteronomy, there's actually 613 distinct commandments. In a lot of ways, it's like the IRS tax law. There's a lot in there, and very few people understand all the nuances of what's in there. But there are 10 unique commandments because these 10 were written with the very finger of God when Moses went on to Sinai. And this began the law-giving process for Moses and the children of Israel at Sinai. So these 10 are unique, and they have served to be the foundation for um, law in most of the Western countries. So, and that's why in American courtrooms for a long time, the Ten Commandments were displayed because our, our ideas about law are actually rooted here in the Ten Commandments. So, today we're picking up at verse 13 at the Sixth Commandment. So, at Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, it says, you shall not murder. You shall not murder. Four simple Words. Now, in the second telling of the law, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verse 17, it has the same exact words, you shall not murder. So now, remember we talked about this, that the first four commandments really deal with a person's relationship with God. That you should have no other gods before him, that you shall not make any carved images of God, 
So you, you should only worship the true and living God. And you need to worship the true and living God in the right way. And then the third commandment is that you shall not take God's name in vain. And we had talked about that, that taking God's name in vain isn't only our speech because we know the name of God speaks of the nature of God. So we can maybe never say God's name in vain using his name, but still live in a way that is taking God's name in vain because the name is equal to the nature. Like I've always said, if I say Pastor Daniel Fusco, most people are not going to say, oh, D-A-N-I-E-L space F-U-S-C-O, right? Most of you are going to think of an incredibly dashing and phenomenal young man with a great beard and just great hair, you know, or, or something, or maybe not. You know, there might be different adjectives you use with all of that. So when you think of someone's name, it makes you think of their whole nature. And so taking God's name, it does include our speech, but it's not limited to our speech. So again, this is how we should worship God. And then the fourth commandment is keeping the Sabbath day. And Sabbath, the Sabbath law is a commandment that's a bridge because Sabbath was made for man so that we would have a vibrant relationship with God. And we know that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Then as you move into the interpersonal command, so it begins with the vertical axis, us and God. And once that is right, then it gets into the horizontal axis, us and other people. One of the things that I've learned is that when I'm having issues with people, most often the reason I'm having issues with people is because my relationship with God, I'm a little bit off-centered. Because when I'm relate, rightly relating with God, even the most atrocious person still deserves my love because God is a God of love. And God loves them even though I may not like them very much. So the vertical axis, our relationship with God that God has solidified for us in Christ actually sets the pace for all of the relationships on the horizontal level. Does that make sense? So then once you get to interpersonal relationship, first thing is honor your father and mother. Because God designed the family as the primary unit of discipleship within a society. Now, it's interesting. I was thinking about this, and we treated this two weeks ago and spent a good bit of time on it. And so we did a lot of questions about it. So if you, ha- if you weren't here and you want to know more about it, I want to encourage you to go back to it. But we did spend some time talking about some of the issues that happen with families and how we don't need to do what our parents are telling us if they're telling us to live contrary to the word of God. We talked about a lot of that. But it was interesting that as I reflected more upon it, it's interesting that God's design for children is that they learn obedience from their parents to be obedient to their parents. I started thinking this week, I wonder why that's so important to God. I'd never thought down that line before. And I ended up reading a a devotional by a commentator named Andrew Murray. Very good, about 100 years old now. And he said something that was just so riveting to me. He said that the reason God has ordained obedience of children to parents is because learning obedience is the only way to have control over your own will. And so once you have... Once you learn obedience and you have control over your own desires and passions and your will, then you can handle the God-given liberty we have with Jesus with maturity. But because God has given us liberty in Christ without having control over our wills and our passions, if we don't have that control, our liberty ends up in being fleshly and sinful. And I thought that that was such a powerful statement. 
I never thought about it that way, that God wants us to have control over our wills because we do have tremendous liberty, but oftentimes we take that liberty with unbridled passions and we get into a lot of trouble. So God wants us to learn obedience as children so that we have control over our wills because we need it. Because we all know what it's like to have our wills be all over the place. Amen? So now we move from the family unit to the way we interact with one another. And it says, you shall not murder. Now, why does it say you shall not murder? Simply because in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, man and women were created in the image and likeness of God. So each single person in the world is an image bearer. God created them to be a living letter of the image of God. And even somebody who has rejected the God who created them is still bearing the image of God. What that means is that every single human being, no matter who they are, no matter what their skills or deficiencies or seeming deficiencies may be, no matter how much money they have or have not, no matter how much education they have or have not, every person is created in the image and likeness of God and deserves to be treated with the dignity that comes with such a place. Make sense? So God values humanity because they were the crowning jewel of his creation. And because of that, all humans have dignity. Now, we know biblically that although all humans are the image bearers of God, all humans are also warped by sin, all of us. So for each person, we are simultaneously glorious and treacherous. We're created in the image and likeness of God, which is an amazing thing. And that's why when you look at another person, whether they be old or young, no matter what nationality, there's something so profound and amazing about people. But at the same time, all of humanity has a warping. There's some, something wrong with each one of us. And that is the warping of the sin nature. And these two realities are we hold in tension together. So when you see somebody and they're doing things that you're just like, I can't believe they're doing that, you have to think to yourself, they were created in the image and likeness of God, but I see the warping. I see it. And you have to remember that Jesus died to save people who were warped. And so the reason God does not want us to murder is because people were created in the image and likeness of God. Now, in the Hebrew, this word murder, it literally speaks of doing it with malice aforethought, with premeditation. So the Bible makes very clear that this is speaking about plotting, planning to murder somebody. What we would call in our laws, murder in the first degree. And there's all sorts of places in the Old Testament as we go through that when things happen accidentally, we're going to hear about the cities of refuge because in that culture... It was very much like, if you killed my brother, then I'm going to go kill you. The revenge killings were very, very common. And so they created things of cities of refuge for somebody who accidentally killed somebody where they can go and be protected from a a revenge killing. So this word speaks about doing it with premeditation. So it also speaks in the Bible about accidental killings. Like there's laws about if you're in the woods with somebody and you're chopping wood and all of a sudden they get hit with an axe. So things that happen accidentally when the axe head goes flying or if you cut a tree down and a tree hits somebody and you didn't mean it, that's not the same thing as as murdering somebody. Now, 
Once you move into the New Testament, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 and 22, says this, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. So Jesus takes this law, the sixth commandment of not murdering, and he brings it down not from the physical actions, but from the quality of our hearts. And he says, the reason someone would murder someone with premeditation physically is because they've already been angry with them and maligned them in his heart. Words like raka and you fool. That's raka is old school for saying you're an idiot. Has anybody ever thought that about somebody else? Not me, of course. But maybe you guys. No. <laughs> We've all felt that way. Something happens. You're like, what a knucklehead. Right? Yeah. What you're doing is you're, you're having anger with them in your heart. See, Jesus always takes the things that we do physically always begin in your heart. They always begin in your heart. That's where they, that's where the seed is. That's where that seed is, is nurtured and fertilized and then it plays itself out in action. Nobody ever acts devoid of what's already in their heart. We act out based on what is in our heart. And Jesus says the problem is not only the action of murder by premeditation, but the problem is the disposition of the heart. And that's always Jesus' focus, isn't it? I've heard it said at the heart of the law is the law of the heart. So for so many of us, maybe we've never committed the act of murder with premeditation, but we each have to do battle against the anger and the judgmentalism in our hearts that can lead to that type of an action. And what's interesting is in God's economy, the person who physically plays out murder and the person who just feels anger at someone in their heart are in the same spot. Sure, there's a difference of severity in the world, but they are both people who are in need of forgiveness. And I'll be honest with you, I'm almost, I don't think I've ever met someone who could say that they're devoid of anger. So what I want you to do is next time you get angry with someone, I want you to think, I'm a murderer. So I want you to think that because that, according to Jesus, we have a heart disposition of somebody who is murdering in the first degree because we want to realize the severity of our sins. Now, why do we, that sounds like a strange thing, like realize the severity of your sin. Why? Because when we realize the severity of the problems of our heart, what does it do? It drives us into the arms of our savior. Jesus says the way up is down. The way to grow in godliness is to realize how needy we really are. And it's so easy for us when we have anger just to justify it, right? Like, man, you don't even realize. I mean, if you were in my shoes, you'd blow your cork, right? It's it's not that bad. No, it is that bad. It's so bad that God would send his own son to die on a cross for you and for me. So I don't want us to be afraid of allowing God to reveal to us the gravity, the weightiness of what's in our heart. But don't let it break us down and beat us down. We let it drive us into the arms of Jesus. Because if you're in here today and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, that's exactly why Jesus went to the cross. Not only for the actions that you live out, but for all the garbage that's in your heart that leads to those actions. 
God has accepted you knowing full well that that's all in there. I don't know about you, but that makes me astounded when I think about it. That God knows not only the litany of things that I've done in action, but God knows all the motivations in my heart. And he still says, I love that guy. I want that guy to be my son. That blows my mind. And the more honest we are with ourselves at all the garbage that's in there, the more we realize how absolutely amazing God's grace really is. And then we become absolutely grateful. And it also takes all the judgmentalism out of our hearts. Because if you walk in the light as he is in the light, and you see all of the impurities of your life, and you realize, I'm still loved and accepted with all this junk, then you look at someone else and you're like, God would accept them too in Christ. I can't judge them. I'm just like them. They have their own stuff. I have my own stuff. So we have to realize that in God's economy, we have to do battle by the Spirit with what is in our hearts. It's where they come from. It's where it comes from. Listen to James chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. And it says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? that war in your members. You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. What that says is that the reason murders and wars and fights happens mostly is because of covetousness. Because we're trying to fulfill ourselves with things that we want to take from other people when the only place we really get that soul satisfaction is from God alone. And all we have to do is ask, God, I want you to fulfill this longing in my heart. You know, you think of our culture with its bent on sexual immorality. And really what it is is people are craving intimacy. They're craving it. Why? Because we were created for intimacy. Each living soul was created for deep interpersonal relationships. But our culture tells us that this is a way to intimacy. And as all of us who've been down those roads know that that's really not intimate at all. It's shallow because it's an inch deep. And true intimacy is not an inch deep. And we're craving intimacy, but the intimacy that we really want comes from God. That's where it comes from. And even for those of you who are married, you realize that the intimacy you want in your marriage it really doesn't come from your spouse. It comes from God flowing through your spouse. That's where it comes from. Because if you look to a spouse to try and give you the intimacy that you crave, you feel like, man, that person falls short. The women think to themselves, this man is emotionally unavailable. And the men think this woman is just too emotional, stereotypically. I've done enough marriage counseling to know that that's pretty much the way it rolls in 90% of relationships. Because you're looking to the person instead of looking to the Lord. Because what you're doing is you're looking for an intimacy fulfillment from a person when really it only comes from God. And God fulfills your needs. And you look at your spouse, you're like, look, I love that person. Yeah, they're quirky. They don't do everything that I would like them to do. But you know what? I don't do everything that they would like me to do. But God's grace is sufficient for all of us. And we grow closer. So we have to make sure we put God in the center. Now, in 
this day and age, I believe that when you look at this idea of you shall not murder, I think that there are three kind of hot button issues that I just want to hit briefly that I think we need to look at in light of this scripture. One is abortion, two is capital punishment, and three is war. Because all three are hot button issues and all three have to do with this verse. Now, abortion, of course, you shall not murder. Now, we live in a day and age that people would say that life begins at birth and everything before then is not life. But we actually don't really believe that. Why? Because if you, if you murder somebody who's pregnant, you get charged with a double homicide. So in one sense, we're saying, look, the mother has control over the life. In another sense, you say, well, if you kill a mother with child, you're actually guilty of two murders. And, and there's an issue there. Now, We've talked about abortion before at church. God loves life. People ask me, like, Pastor Daniel, what's your position on on abortion? I say, look, I'm compassionately pro-life. Which means this. I believe that people who seek to have abortions are scared most often. Not malicious, not mean-spirited, angry, scared. And listen, if you're in here today and you've been down that road, man, just let Jesus' grace be sufficient for you. God's forgiveness is that great. No matter what any of us have done, the murderer, in whatever way, grace is there for you. But God loves life. And we've seen it all through the Bible. Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you and I called you to be a prophet, he says. All through the Bible. See, God loves life. But in a culture that has, in was it 50 years of Roe versus Wade, aborted millions of unborn children, I believe it is murder. I believe it is. We're taking life. Might be the single greatest genocide of the 20th century, abortion. So I think we really need to look at it. Now, I realize it's, it's, I always say this. When these things become political issues, they make me totally nervous because politicians don't actually try and solve problems. They just use issues to make you hate the other side. That's what they do. That's how they get elected. So I'm not, I don't want to get into the politics of it. I want to look at, as Christians, we look at it from what does God's word say? And God's word says that we shall not murder with premeditation. That's what it says. So we need to think that way. And at the same time, as I said, if those mistakes have been made, there is grace for anybody, for anybody. So that's the first one. Second, capital punishment. Should a life be taken given the things that someone has done. Now, I'm going to be honest. On this issue, there's all sorts of Christians who come down on both sides of it. It's interesting. God's law says that if you take a life, a life will be required of you. We're going to get to it in Exodus chapter 21, verse 12. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. Exodus 21, 14. But if a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel really delved into God's commandment about murder. It's not an easy one to brush off once you understand what God fully means by it. It's about the intention of the heart. Jesus explained how you could murder someone in your heart. 
Giving is one of the central themes in the Bible. Believe it or not, it's the main subject of nearly half of the parables that Jesus taught. Like prayer and serving others, money is an outlet of spiritual power. When it's released into ministry, God does amazing things with it. To understand what it means to be a Christ follower, we must also understand what it means to be a giver. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly supporter of Jesus is Real Radio. For more information, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thanks, Josh. Pastor Daniel would like to invite you to join him each day on Facebook for his two-minute messages. Pastor Daniel shares from his heart and God's Word in a way that will impact your life. It's the perfect way to inject a little bit of Jesus into your routine. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links to the two-minute messages. Now, here's Josh with a preview of what Pastor Daniel will be covering in the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue to explore how the commandment not to murder applies to our world begins to look at the issue of adultery, another commandment that goes further than what you might think. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled Sinai. Until then, may God bless.